0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Friendly Confines. Alongside Chad Gordon, I am Ryan Lever. And, you know, usually, folks, we have this episode dropped by Monday night, but David Bodie had other plans for us because on Sunday night, an entire show prior to the Cubs beating the Washington Nationals in walk-off fashion.
1: Rhino. Four to
0: three. Rhino. So instead, we are now giving you an updated version of the Friendly Confines, courtesy of David Bodie, who probably hit, the just ended probably the best game of the year for the Chicago Cubs thus far this season. Chad, what a game it was last night, and uh, hello to you. How are you feeling?
1: Ryan, you know what they say, that saying, the best laid plans, isn't that something else? It really is. It's because, just, uh, it's, we had, I, <laughs> that, that I, was, I was just giggling because, Cause we're like, you know what? Let's watch this game. The Cubs are the only game on TV. You know, we we're, we're laid back. We can actually relax. We'll get this out Monday morning. We're going to have the lays. We had such a great rundown that we thought about all, all weekend. I mean, this is going to be what we do. And then David Bodie says, no, no, nothing you talked about and nothing you said matters. Change the whole rundown. That's the power of David Bodie. What a fun and incredible game, right? Well,
0: it's funny because you and I were watching it last night uh, on Sunday night. And we both agreed that, like you said, if Bodie hits a game winning Grand Slam, uh, we needed to drop everything and re-record the entire show. (laughs)
1: That's
0: what we're doing. Uh, So, David Bodie, I'm happy to do this because it resulted in a Cubs victory. And, uh, oh my gosh, what a game it was. I mean, we saw... You know, Max Scherzer, who's on target right now to probably be the favorite to win the Cy Young Award in the National League, once again, uh, pitched a gem of a game. And that's where we'll start in the first inning. Uh, Cole Hamels came out yeah. once again. Another brilliant effort by Cole Hamels. Allowed one hit and just one run over seven yeah. Games. Yeah. Um and, and then yet we sit here and thought that the Nats were going to take two or three. And just like that, David Bodie, who, you know, we spoke about Uh, And, you know, Josh Friedman, who uh, is going to be our seventh inning stretch conductor, uh, talked about him as well. And we'll get to that interview later in the program. But David Bodie has just been so terrific filling in for Chris Bryant, who uh, obviously is still on the DL. Um, It's just incredible. And it was absolutely an incredible atmosphere to just watch it. I can only imagine what it oh must gosh. have been like for somebody to actually be there I, on Sunday and yeah. see that win. I had
1: I had a number of friends that were there. Um, I could name drop probably a dozen people that were there, and they they just said it was it was it was life changing for them, which is incredible. You know, David was he was actually in the rundown of the original show, which is hilarious because we were actually saying, I mean, is this team in first place without David Bodie coming in? And being this versatile super utility player that's batting, you know, nearly three thirty so far, and in, and in, and in, and uh, Grandy's only been up about about eighty at bats. But what he did on Sunday night, what I love about baseball is the fact that you can actually go back through the history books and you can actually say you can quantify this and you can go, oh, a walk off grand slam that's only happened twenty eight times. Oh, a walk off grand slam. With two outs and two strikes and your team down three to nothing, that's only happened one other time. That's incredible. What he did there from a rookie standpoint as a pinch hitter, and to hear his story say, that's what I love about stories like this. You know, he was almost out of baseball. His wife talked him into it, you know, sticking with it. He he, he raved about his wife about taking care of the family because he was gonna keep grinding away. You know, almost a lifelong, potential lifelong minor leaguer. Now he's not. Now he's on the radar. And I got to tell you right now, we are seeing, we mentioned this in the original recording, we see shades of like a more, uh, a, a, just a younger Ben Zobras, the ability to play anywhere and everywhere. What he did last night, people are going to remember the name David Bode. doesn't matter what he does for the rest of his career. They're going to remember last night.
0: Well I hope and you know we also mentioned this in our original recording I hope the Cubs find a way to keep this guy on the team in some capacity. Now listen if he continues to hit the way that he does and if I guess the off season comes around the Cubs have an opportunity to acquire, you know, possibly some some big league talent as far as all-star caliber players and uh, you know, for 2019, I, I could potentially see Bodie yeah. uh, being packaged. But at the same token, I mean, this is a guy who I want to see in the clubhouse. He's yeah. a guy who can spell relief, as you mentioned, at a, at a multiple of positions, you know, and and really play any position in the infield yeah. or potentially play the outfield like Zobris does. Yeah. And, and just come to bat when it counts and, and really make his presence felt. I, I mean, what a story, like you said, this guy has been for this team. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I mean, not that we want to see Chris Bryant on on the DL and certainly we want him out there playing, but I don't think you could have asked no. for a better scenario yeah. than having David Bodie play in Chris Bryant's place right now while Chris Bryant is healing
1: from his shoulder. What
0: injury. I love about this, Ryan,
1: and, and, and we mentioned this in a, in a talk before, we were concerned that all of the minor league talent, the reason we couldn't make up any sort of moves in the offseason, the reason in terms of a trade, or the reason we couldn't do anything at the deadline really of, of substantial values, we don't really have a lot of guys other than the guys on the uh, on the major league roster. Um, there isn't a lot of big names, you know, the, for a while, Javier Baez was the big name. Almora was the big name. Brian, at one point, was the big name in the minors. We don't have those big names. I I, I promise you if there's a listener on this podcast that goes and raises their hand and says, I rem- I knew David Bodie. I was tracking him. You're a liar. Nobody <laughs> knew about this guy. And now all of a sudden Joe Madden has a player that is a Joe Madden type player that has a versatility. And here's the beauty. And maybe the listeners don't realize this. We just have to get to September rosters expand in September. So you don't have to send him down. So if Bryant goes a little bit longer and he comes back. Bodie can stay in that dugout and become a part of this team. And my gosh, we are a lot stronger now. He has been a force and he made his presence known thunderously Sunday night on ESPN. Let's move on to the second inning to something which is not as positive, And it is about what happened last week. And it is a glaringly, frustratingly, concerningly issue, concerning issue that I have. John Lester, this guy Ryan was an all-star, deserved to be an all-star. was was lights out. was in the discussion for you know mid-season, you know in the running for the the, the Cy Young. Based on his statistics alone, he has been nothing but really bad, super hittable, and and not the the John Lester uh, uh, that we need and want and expect. What is going on with John Lester, Ryan?
0: Yeah, well, you know, two bad starts back to back. And he got shelled on Saturday uh, and the Cubs lost to the Nationals 9-4. to uh, He just hasn't looked himself, which is weird because, like you said, in the first half, I mean, this guy was competing with Max Scherzer for the you know, National League Cy Young Award. Uh, He was right there, neck and neck. There was talk that if the game wasn't in D.C., the All-Star game, John Lester could have probably gotten the starting nod. Uh, Now he looks like a completely different pitcher, which has led me to possibly believe, Chad, that maybe this is something physical. Uh, Maybe John Lester is is not right, and uh, he's not letting on to what he could be suffering from. Um, I don't know if it's an issue of dead arm. I have a hard time believing the guy went from being almost unhittable to the last... You know, two starts, he's you know basically looks like a minor league pitcher. Yeah, um, I'm hoping this is an aberration, but uh, you know, if if he has one more bad start, uh, then he, I think the the question starts to become: Is he nursing an injury? Is he yeah. trying to disguise something that that may not be a hundred percent? You know, that he, he's not being a hundred percent honest with with the coaching staff and and his team to recognize the fact that maybe he's hurt. And uh, he's not throwing well. So I'm hoping that the last two starts were, like I said, just, you know, maybe just bad starts and that he's able to bounce back. But if this third start uh, doesn't go well and looks similar to the last two, uh, then questions are going to start to be
1: asked. Well, here, here's here's the big issue. And, and, and we've had some, some listeners share with us. They like to see the numbers. Let's break down the numbers. Since the second half started, um, his ERA is over 10 um his he's given up 36 hits he's given up nine home runs and that's over 22 and, and two-thirds innings over five starts he's surrendered at least four earned runs in four of those five and he's only completed one one two three inning in the last 25 innings so you say it could be a hidden injury and that is completely plausible my concern is and this is not an older gentleman you know we're not we're not talking about somebody at the tail end of their career he's he's still in his mid to, uh, early to mid thirties. Um, but I'm concerned about just running out of gas. Does he just not have the staying power anymore? He does not look like the dominant pitcher of your, um, he it's, it's concerning. Um, uh, he, he has to be the guy that, that we expect him to be the guy that the big first signing that the Rickets brought forward, that Theo brought forward to actually, um, say, Hey, we're actually serious contenders now. Um, I thought his window was going to be a little bit longer than this. So let's hope this is a blip and he can regain because right now, very concerning.
0: Very concerning to say the least. All right. Well, somebody we don't have to be concerned about so far as we move to the third inning is Cole Hamels. We mentioned earlier, seven innings, just one hit one run, uh, nine strikeouts on Sunday night against Washington. And uh, his third start has just proven to show that Cole Hamels is still on top of his game. Uh, This guy just not only loves to pitch in Wrigley, I think he just loves to pitch in the National (laughs) League because uh, he he really is just looking like the guy that I remember when he pitched for the Philadelphia Phillies. And thankfully, uh, Cole Hamels right now, because of, as we mentioned, Lester not pitching well, uh, they got some consistency with someone like him who uh, is is pitching great. Uh, I can't say enough that the Cubs went out and got him. I think this is going to be such a tremendous move. I, I know that... Some people, you know, were saying, well, look, it's not Jacob DeGrom and, you know, he's kind of towards the tail end of his career. But you know what, Chad? I mean, this guy has shown it's me everything so far that he has been worthy of uh, the Cubs, you know, taking him and becoming the ace of this staff and uh, making that one-two punch, which they hope to have with Lester. Uh, for the pennant chase and uh, I just love what he's uh, been able to do so far in in three early starts
1: yeah I I said it before raise your hand if you even knew who David Bodie was you're a liar if you did and raise your hand if you had all the faith in the world that, that that Hamels would be an ace and he is exceeding all expectations it it reminds me just a little bit about uh, Verlander going down into Houston and in the resurgence he had because he was not a shutdown artist in Detroit and so now here we are Cole he's pitching in the thick of a pennant race he's he's on the number one team by record in the National League he he knows that the postseason is absolutely in the future I mean his fastball is up his velocity is up um, he pitched a gym it's amazing to think that if Bodie I mean let's be honest if Bodie had fouled out flew out grounded out we wouldn't, I mean, nobody would have been upset. Nobody would have said anything it said something very historic happened, but what would have happened? We probably would have been talking more about Cole Hamels and the fact that he pitched an incredible inning or uh, incredible seven innings. And he went toe to toe against one of the best pitchers in baseball in, in Strasburg. And I got to tell you, I was blown away by his performance. He looked incredible. And if we get that sort of support, Um, that is going to be something to be reckoned with come postseason because he looks really dialed in right now.
0: He absolutely does. All right. Moving ahead. Fourth inning. Now uh, a lot of chatter over the weekend, Chad with Washington in town revolving around Bryce Harper. I love this topic. I
1: love this topic, Ryan, because we're going to disagree here. (laughs) I love it. Harper, of course,
0: is very close friends with Chris Bryant. The two grew up together in the Las Vegas area and he becomes a free agent. Harper does next season. And of course, Bryce Harper has kind of teased people over the last couple of years. He has a dog named Wrigley, talks about on social media how much he loves playing at Wrigley Field, which begs the question, Chad, should the Chicago Cubs go out and sign Bryce Harper next
1: season when he becomes a free agent? Okay, no. And I'm going to say no, and I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons, and I'm going to say my caveats to that. One thing that I love more than anything is the just completely irrational and somewhat suicidal at times nature of Cubs Twitter. It's incredible how they the ebbs and flows. And there are a lot of people that have actually said no as well because the money aspect. It's going to cost too much to sign them. Nobody's worth that much money. I could care less. It's not our money. It doesn't matter. They're going to make billions come this new TV deal. It doesn't matter. And they're going to need a marketable star like Bryce Harper to be able to put on posters and get people to watch and get the viewership up. The reason I say no is because I feel like the right center that we need right now is the right fielder we have right now who is better and and a gold glover in Jason Hayward. And it's actually performing at a higher level offensively right now um, than Bryce Harper. And so I actually think we have the guy that we need and we've got him locked into a big contract, not going anywhere, Um, You'd have to mess things around. Harper is not a center fielder. He's not a left fielder. You need to move him around, allow him to play right field. So you'd have to make all these extra extra moves. If I was going to come out with the big open checkbook this offseason, I would go after a big pitcher. I would go after another John Lester, whoever that guy is. Bryce Harper. I think he's incredible. He's a once in a generation talent. But you know what? Let him Destroy somebody else's payroll. Put somebody else into the luxury tax. If you're going to spend big, spend half as much. Get good pitching, and then save your money because Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, Almora, possibly, definitely Contreras, Hendricks. These are guys that you're going to want to open up the checkbook later on. So here's here's the thing.
0: Here's two different things. Do I think ultimately the Cubs will sign Bryce Harper? I actually do not. Uh, I think Bryce Harper is either staying in Washington or I think the Philadelphia Phillies actually will be the team that ends up signing him because they're going to have a boatload of money and they could use a right fielder. Now, with that being said, would I sign Bryce Harper? I would absolutely (laughs) sign Bryce Harper. Uh, Those are two different answers. I I think that if the Cubs were to make this work and you have a murderer's row of Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Hobby Bias. I mean, that's a lineup that easily, in my opinion, is yeah. the best in baseball. That's better than the Yankees. That's better than the Red Sox. I mean, there is nobody in any league I agree. that
1: can compete I agree. with that I agree. lineup. Yes. Um,
0: and then when you talk about as far as the money goes, you know, I know we, we kind of touched on this. The Cubs are going to have a billion-dollar network. The Rickets have plenty of money that they're going to be, you know, paying out. And yes, I understand that they're going to have to pay a lot of money to Baez and Rizzo and Bryant once those contracts are up, but it's not going to matter because this franchise is going to be able to compete with the LA Dodgers and the New York Yankees of the world yep. to be able to shell out as much money as they want and not feel any sort of uh, you know issues with that um, because or consequences for that matter because they're going to have the TV contract to be able to back up all the spending that they want. So you're right at the end of the day, I, I think that it would be a wonderful move from a marketing standpoint. It would be tremendous to just continue to push out and, and the Cubs are a national brand and why not have one of the top five players in the game to go along with other top players in the game, in your lineup to promote, to make not only the team better, but the game of baseball and give it more of an interest level to a lot of people um, who might just be uh, you know, a pass thereby when it comes to their fandom uh, for Major League Baseball. So I, I think yeah. it would be a great move, but at the end of the day, Chad, I, I do sit here and say I do not think the Cubs will sign him. Yeah. However, I would if I you, could.
1: Absolutely, and I, and I will say this, this is one other thing that I didn't mention in my points is this is his contract year. This is his walk year, and so if you want to <laughs> show your stuff and you actually want to – show everything you have and step up to the table. He certainly isn't doing that right now. And and I don't know if I should be concerned about that or if the pressure of the moment, but he his numbers right now are abysmal if you actually compare them to Jason Hayward. And so I don't know. I, I uh I think we're on the same page. I don't think it'll happen. Um but if it does happen, that'll oh my gosh, that'll put the Cubs into a completely different stratosphere so let me let me move on to the next inning this is i think this is my favorite question my favorite inning of of this week's episode and i'm going to pose this question to you and i really want you to think long and hard about this okay the way i pose it so we have two we have wait well our, our closers out right now, um, because I was, you know, got her putting on some pants a couple months ago, but he's out. That's bad. Um, but Stropey's done a really nice job, but we have two other kind of big name guys and Chris Bryant and you Darvish that are out right now. Chris Bryant of the, uh, the, the former MVP of all of baseball, the national league, uh, uh star of the world series. And you, at uh, U Darvish, the biggest offseason acquisition, uh, one of the Cubs biggest moves, um, I ask you this, Ryan, if you could only have one of them back at 100%, if you could only have one of them, who is more important to come back? Well, now
0: I know this is going to sound crazy, but I actually think that, well, first of all, let me say this. You and I, I think, are going to agree on this answer. I I have a feeling we will. But I think this is an easy answer, and I know this might sound crazy, but the answer is Hugh Darvish, Chad. (laughs) The answer is Hugh Darvish, and I'll tell you why. The Cubs' offense right now, is not the issue with this team. Yeah. The Cubs offense is scoring runs at still a, 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 just a frenetic pace, and they are playing great baseball yeah. when it comes to scoring runs offensively. The pitching is what the issue has been all year with this, with this team, whether it's the bullpen, whether it's the starting rotation. So for me, a uh, can only help the starting rotation <laughs> that has been so inconsistent all year long. And has not had, uh, you know, a guy who's been able to on a day in and day out basis come out and be that stopper. It's kind of just been well. Hopefully, we can get a good outing from this guy, and hopefully, the offense can take care of the rest. So for me, it's definitely Hugh Darvish. As much as I think Hugh Darvish may not be, uh, you know, the best pitcher on the the ro- in the rotation, and certainly has had his ups and downs in his career, a healthy Darvish for this team <laughs> is what they need right now. <laughs> So much more than believe it or not, I know this sounds nuts. A healthy Chris Bryant.
1: I, I, it's, I'm getting ready to talk, and I feel like it's blasphemy right now. I, I'm looking for the lightning bolts, to be honest. The caveat to that question that I think the reason why we agree right now is we said if all things are equal and, and, and they were both at 100%, so their top cap- uh, capability, they're both they're at, at the top of their game. I completely agree with you. We if we could have you Darvish as the shutdown inning eating power pitcher, especially late into the year, that is exactly what this team needs now. And that's what I was saying before about Bryce Harper. I want controllable pitchers that actually are gonna be John Lester at his prime more than I need guys to score runs. We have guys that can score some runs. I you know, so I'm gonna come away from that caveat to say I have some grave concerns that Chris Bryan is never not going to be at 100% for the rest of the year because of what he's dealing with uh, physically. But you, Darvish, coming in, and I have tremendous hope for this, that he's going to come in, and and actually because of the rest and the fact that he's going to have a couple months off, He's actually going to be a factor in this in this season. And and I can see him coming in, taking away the spot from Mike Montgomery. Give Mike the opportunity. The long relief guy. And you Darvish all of a sudden comes in almost in Cole Hamels like fashion. And all of a sudden there's another staff ace. That is going to be a game changer. And all the other teams in the National League are going to take notice.
0: All right. We finish up the fifth inning and now we have the fifth inning. And last week, Chad. We had a very special anniversary. 88. I love it. 88. It's been 30 years since the lights were turned on at Wrigley Field for the first time uh, at a time when a lot of folks, uh, there were these uh, you know, old baseball lifers that were doing everything in their power not to have lights at Wrigley Field. They loved the, the whole traditionalist factor of the Cubs playing day baseball every day. But uh, as you and I have both seen, Uh, Progress is a good thing, and I think night baseball at Wrigley Field, you've mentioned this before to me, and it's true. uh, Night baseball at Wrigley Field is something special to behold. It is a different atmosphere at Wrigley at night, and quite frankly, the way that we play baseball today, uh, you need lights in, in a baseball park. I don't care if you're Wrigley Field or Fenway Park or whoever you may be. Uh, it's 2018 it's not 1914 Uh, lights need to be on in a major league baseball stadium and quite frankly i think it's done wonders for wrigley field and has made uh the product better and i think it's even helped the neighborhood more so than what people had initially thought uh and i'm glad that they did do this in 1988 and josh friedman our guest Ah uh, was actually at the front. I love that game. yeah was, you know, I love game. it. Amy's gonna talk about that in the seventh inning, but uh, yeah, well it, it was a special night, and uh, I'm glad that they they did it. I, I I'm sure you feel the same way
1: it it's it's funny. i i I, I think like trying to explain a cassette tape to somebody in a younger generation, trying to explain to them that, you know, you had to go to the wall and grab the phone off the hook and dial the number and, and they may not answer and it may ring forever. And there was no answer machine. That is the same thing to me as trying to explain to somebody that there used to not be lights at a major league ballpark. Right. I think it's just so incredible. The thousands of baseball games that were played there, the hundreds of bears football games, all those played during the day. It was time. It was causing issues. I mean, you can't have World Series games. You can't have a competitive team um, if you don't have the opportunity to have the, that prime time revenues. So it, it had to happen. I do understand it. There are, are are thousands and thousands of people that live around that that ballpark. It is a tremendous inconvenience. I'm not going to get into discussion of you knew what you were getting into when you moved there. I'm not going to do that because you know they they live there. That's their home. It's so necessary. Here's what I'm gonna say. This is my, my tap run. It yes, it had to happen. I'm so, you know, grateful that it did happen when it did, because it finally got us almost on an even um, level playing field with the other teams because there are some effects having more and more day games. There are some revenue effects as well, but I've always said, if you know me, I've always said, if, if you know, if heaven to me is a series of Friday afternoon ball games with a cold beer and a good friend beside you. Great conversations, a great product on the field, but there is something insanely special, iconic, and, and, and you just know it's, it's different than everywhere else Then a night game at Wrigley Field under the lights with that crisp, cool air. So it's a beautiful thing. It's incredible to think that it's been 30 years.
0: Time for the seventh inning stretch. We're pleased to welcome our special seventh inning stretch conductor for this week's episode of the Friendly Confines is Josh Friedman. Uh, Josh, of course, is a uh, host of the Josh Friedman Show on 790 The Ticket in Miami. But a longtime Chicago resident, born and raised there, and, of course, a diehard Cubs fan. Josh, welcome to the Friendly Confines. It's good to have you.
2: Thank you. Can you hear me okay?
0: I can hear you just fine. With us, I appreciate your time. So, Josh, let's start here. Uh, This this week, earlier this week, the Cubs celebrated, believe it or not, the 30th anniversary (laughs) of the lights being turned on for the first time. At Wrigley Field, uh 8888. And uh you actually were at that game, even though it was rained out. So I, I would love to know what was it like for you to be a fan at that game uh 30 years ago before your sports casting career even started?
2: It was great, you know. About tons of people were scrambling for tickets, and the price now, Ryan, seems so benign, so little compared to or the price then compared to what they are now. I paid $100 a hundred dollars for a bleacher seat, you know, and and uh, with a buddy of mine, we each paid $100. Now, you, 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 you put that in today's market, it might be over $1,000. Who knows? But uh, it was for a regular season game, but the very first night game in Wrigley Field, we were all excited. I was looking forward to this for weeks. They announced months in advance when that date was going to be, and it wasn't until days before that I was able to buy a ticket. And uh, we sat in there, and, and I thought, this is great. A new era for the Cubs, and the first batter for the Phillies. Uh, I remember Phil Bradley, because I later became friends with the guy, uh, hit a home run. Off of Rick Sutcliffe. I'm like, oh, my God, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And the Phillies went up uh, one nothing right away. And uh, two innings later in the third inning or after the third inning, the skies opened up. It was just a monsoon. And, uh, you know, that's the maybe the most vis- vivid memory of that game. And it was quickly called. It was apparent there was no way they're going to play that game. And they offered to to refund, you know, to exchange our tickets. And I thought, no way, I'm keeping the ticket stub. I'm not trading this in. I'll sacrifice $100. So, yeah, it wasn't an official game, but guess what? I was there, and as far as I'm concerned, I was at the first night game.
0: So where's the ticket stub today?
2: Confession time. I have no idea. Oh, no. So I I was hoping you wouldn't ask that, but uh, full confession, (laughs) I have no idea.
0: (laughs) Well, at least you could say you were there. So that's that's at least yeah. half the battle, right there. We're talking to Josh Friedman. He's uh, host of the Josh Friedman Show on 790 The Ticket in Miami. Uh, but obviously, a longtime Chicago Cubs fan, grew up in the Chicagoland area, uh, worked in the Chicago media market even at one time as well, and now a longtime uh, sports host here in the Miami market. So, Josh, uh, obviously the Cubs are playing the Nats, or finished up their mm-hmm. series with the Nats this weekend. Um, and all the talk has been centered on Bryce Harper. Of course, Bryce Harper and Chris Bryan are very close friends. He's a free agent at the end of this year, and there's been a lot of chatter that maybe the Cubs – have the potential to go out and sign Bryce Harper as a free agent. So I ask you, if you're Theo Epstein, do you go out, and would you sign Bryce Harper to a long-term deal?
2: Well, it's interesting. When the Cubs came to town, I, I've been sort of against it, you know, especially if you're going to have to pay him $40 million a year. But when the Cubs came to town in the press box, I went to all four games, and I was sitting every night with Len Casper, the great TV play-by-play announcer for the cubs and he sort of changed my mind he's like first of all he said what do you care it's not your money if they can afford to do it if they can fit it into whatever budget they have of course they should sign bryce harper and it might mean moving a you know a contract like jason hayward or they probably would have to eat a lot of money but his value has gone up this year because he's certainly a lot better hitter uh, than he's been in the past couple of seasons with the cubs or maybe move another player but moving him a, a person off the major league roster might not be a bad thing particularly and i'm sure we'll get into this a bit later with the way the Cubs' starting pitching has struggled, and they need help there in that area, and uh, so is you know, and they're going to have a new multi-billion-dollar TV contract or TV station, TV network coming up uh, a- after one year, so they certainly be able to afford it. Tom Ricketts can afford to write that check, and you know, so my thinking is, you know, imagine in, in the middle of the order, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo in some form, lefty, righty, lefty. That would be an enormous powerhouse, a huge headache for opposing pitchers. So, yep, sign the guy up.
0: Uh, it certainly would be a murderer's row of a lineup. Uh, absolutely right on that. I'm, I personally am on the fence right now. I mean, I think just you got Hayward with that big contract. You still have Albert Elmora, but you know, to your point, I mean, it's hard uh, not to uh, have that right in front of you and say, you know what why wouldn't we sign this guy uh, uh, you know a former MVP and then pair him with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez Uh, you're absolutely right well you mentioned this in your answer we were talking about the pitching staff Um, we've seen some games where the starting rotation has you know hasn't looked as sharp as it has in the past Uh, John Lester uh, just got absolutely drilled on Saturday Uh, Cole Hamels has looked good so far but have, even the bullpen is has been a little taxed of late. Do, do you think the pitching staff, namely the starting rotation right now, right now is just overall gassed and they're just not able to, um, you know keep going out there. Um, and, and really just give the sort of effort that this team needs on a day in and day out basis. What, what's your takeaway so far of what you've seen in the second half from the starting rotation?
2: I, I think more than gassed, I think they're just ineffective. I mean, Lester lately has been in, in, in quite a slump, except for maybe a start or two. He's really, uh, you know, going downhill lately. I'm not saying he won't recover and do well come playoff time, but, it, you know, that worries me. That was the guy for a long time. On the staff, who was, you know, the, the mainstay, the you know, a t- terrific player, probably first or second in the in the Cy Young voting uh, in, until a while ago, and he certainly regressed. Kyle Hendricks has never been able to just re- recreate what he's done for, uh, you know, a, a couple of years ago. If they get you Darvish back, I'm not sure how effective he's going to be. I don't think he'll take the mound before uh, September, and we don't know how much he'll be able to be stretched out. So it, it worries me. Chatwood was a disaster from from day one. Uh, I think more than the starters being gassed, I think that when the starters go, I think it's the bullpen that's gassed. Now, you'll get fortifications once uh, September comes, and they can add more relievers. I'm sure the Cubs are going to take advantage of that, but the the ineffectiveness of these starters to go deep into games and the high pitch counts really worry me. And and for a Cub team that historically has done better post-All-Star break and in August, I know it's a small sample size thus far, but they're not showing that. They're just Playing, they're shredding water right now rather than putting a lot of distance between them and say the Brewers.
0: We're talking to Josh Friedman, host of the Josh Friedman Show here on the seventh inning stretch. Josh on 790 the ticket in Miami, longtime Chicago Cubs fan, born and raised in the Chicago land area, now making his home here in Miami. Uh Josh, uh we we see how the Cubs are currently constructed. And you talked about September, how they, you know, could add some uh depth to the bullpen towards the end of the season, but currently constructed. Uh, Say for a few minor tweaks here or there. How far do you think this team can get in the postseason?
2: That's a great question. And well, I'll tell you what, let's start at step one. Can they win the division? I mean, I I thought that they would put some distance between themselves and the Brewers. And thus far, they haven't been able to do that. Maybe three, three and a half games is the biggest lead they've had uh, recently. And then the Brewers seem to just close that gap. So look, don't assume the Cubs are going to win this division. I'd like to think they will, but if they don't, then we're talking about a one-game playoff, and anything can happen in that one-game playoff. Should they win the division and it will be in a five-game series, I'm still concerned for the reasons we just talked about. I just I just don't know if they have the starting pitching. Starting pitching is important constantly, but in the playoffs, it's really necessary to have effective starting pitching. And what Joe Madden called the best starting staff he's had, he remember in spring training, he said, this is the best staff I've had in four years here. Well, they've taken a huge step backwards. I don't think... It wouldn't surprise me if the staff is as ineffective as they've been recently. Uh, I would worry they would get beyond that first uh, division round of the playoffs.
0: And and if they're going to make a push throughout the postseason, obviously Chris Bryant is going to be vital uh, to this offense. Now, the team's been kind of mum about this shoulder injury. They really haven't mm-hmm. said you know, how bad this shoulder injury is. Now, personally, I I think it's worse than what people think, you know, because really he'd be in the lineup by now. Uh, Do you think though, at this point, I mean, the Cubs offense really hasn't been an issue overall. Do you think maybe Bryant should get shut down for the year and maybe they just look to 2019 with him? What what do you think about that?
2: Only if by playing, he can exacerbate that injury. If he can't, it's just some kind of fatigue or something that requires just more rest? No, then don't shut him down. You wait until he come back. He can come back. But if extensive rest is needed and he can hurt it further. Yeah. You sacrifice 2018 for several years uh, down the road, but if he can, if it's fine, if he just needs more time to strengthen it. And he's already said, look, he takes massive amounts of batting practice. He's already said when, and if he comes back, he's going to reduce the bat batting practice swings by a lot. Uh, But if he can play this season, without further hurting it or, you know, without any risk at all. Yeah. You just wait until it was ready to come back in the meantime. I mean, raise your hand and I'm raising mine. If you're surprised how David Bodie is anchored third base and the job he's done. It's this, this was a guy who, you know, couldn't be recognized if he stood right in front of you in spring training and he's made, he's lessened, he softened the blow, the absence of Chris Bryant.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. David Bodie has been uh, terrific in, in his absence. Absolutely. Well, Josh Friedman from 790 The Ticket in Miami, longtime Cub fan, uh, kind enough to join us here on the friendly confines with Chad and Ryan. Josh, thank you for your time, and we uh, hope down the line you'll be back uh, in the seventh inning as our seventh inning guest conductor. Thanks a lot.
2: You're You're quite welcome.
1: Welcome back. What a great interview. Uh, uh, Josh Friedman, 790 The Ticket in Miami. Such great stories. We're getting some great guests. I'm loving the idea and the concept of the seventh inning stretch, Ryan. So we're going to move forward. Another concept that I absolutely love is that we are bringing the listener... Right into the podcast. And so we put out on to, as you know, if you're following us, make sure you follow our Facebook page, the friendly confines, Chicago Cubs, Facebook group, and we'll be posting all of the episodes on there, but also posing questions from time to time. And we got a great question. We're going to pull one question a week, maybe more. But this question comes from Lisa Patel, and she writes, I know that Joe loves to switch up the lineup to keep everyone playing. But do you think the hitting would be more consistent if the lineup was at least a little more consistent? And also, how long do you see Riz on top? And then she also mentioned, side note, Hendricks dressed up as Strope was priceless. If you guys remember, they had the getaway day where everybody dressed up as Pedro. So, So, Ryan, I'll let you field this question. What do you think about a more consistent lineup and what do you think about Riz on top? Well, it's kind of funny Lisa brings that up because
0: I brought that question up to George Hoffman last week and yep, asked yep. him if he thought it would make more sense to. Uh, although I did mention that I thought Hobby should play third and you know not necessarily have Bodie on the lineup all the time. and Zobrist <laughs> Zobrist play second. Maybe right. I should rethink that. Um, but you know, listen, that's the way. That's the way Joe <laughs> that's manages
1: baseball, it. you baseball. Know, I love like,
0: it. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the great thing about being in this position. I can change my mind on a weekly basis. But, uh, you know, I mean, listen, Joe likes to keep everybody fresh, which I think works to the Cubs' advantage. This is why, this is a, this is why a David Bodie can come up in a pinch hitting situation yeah. in the bottom of the ninth and feel comfortable and beca- and because he can go up there and know that he's had, you know, plenty of games to get himself comfortable, be in spots where he's able to get in the game late. And, you know, that's what I love about Joe is any guy on that bench needs to be ready to play at any point, whether he's starting, coming in at some point during uh, the game. And, you know, as much as I think sometimes we would think a a consistent lineup would be better for this team, it's hard to argue the methods of Joe Madden when we're seeing the success offensively. Uh, with what, you know, the Cubs are doing. So um, I don't think that we're going to see a set lineup. I don't think that's how Joe Mad- Madden has ever managed. I think he's always liked having a, you know, a plethora of different guys that can come in in different spots and play different positions and be ready on each and every day. Uh, as far as Rizzo's concerned, you know, we, we talked about this uh, in one of our first podcasts. Rizzo will hit lead leadoff as long as Rizzo is playing well, yep. hitting leadoff, and, yep. and and he has. And whatever reason, um, you know, as soon as Dexter Fowler left for the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cubs have really had a hard time finding a yeah. consistent leadoff hitter. And for you know what? For whatever it's worth, Anthony Rizzo has been the best leadoff hitter for the Cubs. Now, in a perfect world, yes, I want to see Anthony Rizzo hitting third or fourth. But you know what? With the emergence of Javi, uh, who's been, you know, really that cleanup guy now and has been, you know, hitting the ball, obviously, amazingly this year, I'm okay with it. I'm okay yeah. with Rizzo batting leadoff right now and having bias in the four spot. And, you know, you can kind of build around those guys because as Rizzo sets the table, it allows other guys to, uh, you know, see maybe some better pitches with Javi coming to the plate and, and just kind of, you know, drills that inconsistency of uh pitcher seeing different looks from the Cubs lineup that you are probably not going to see from other teams in the national league. So uh, as long as Rizzo is consistent and he's, he's playing well, going
1: yeah it's such a great eighth inning question by lisa patel i love it and i'm gonna answer it in in reverse order and give my take at least it you know it really now only bothers me to lead off the game because you've got rizzo up there and and you know a prototypical leadoff guy you just want him on base you want him to start something you want him to see enough pitches so people can get a a gist of what's going on you know Rizzo has the ability he's shown to hit for power and and maybe poke one out and it only bothers me during the first at bat but once the game gets going it's there's no longer uh you know a, a a speed guy that that has a good on base percentage that is not really a threat um, coming around when the lineup changes over. It's a guy that could rip one out of the park at any moment. So it's a tremendous weapon. So let's let's segue that right into the question about Madden and the lineups. And what I'll say is we love – you know, collectively to get down on him. We could think about the World Series and the maneuvers he did with the pitching staff and everybody, you know, are you know, they're all down on him until it works. But, you know, he's playing the the odds and and and, you know, is this a little bit of, of, of sabermetrics? Is this a little bit like, you know, playing the analytics of everything and, and and just tweaking and going and and going with all the right matchups? Perhaps because it's working right now. This is the best record in the National League um in a very competitive division. And what I love is the makeup of this team. And they have the ability to basically not be hamstrung and, and be affected by the fact that, no, I'm a four hitter. I'm a three hitter. I'm a two. There, put me where you need to put me. I'm going to adapt and I'm going to be successful. And the last thing I'm going to say to you, it just cracks me up about baseball. You're so right. You were you so sure of yourself. And I was nodding in agreement when you said, oh, well, shouldn't this be the right lineup and this should be where you should be for everybody? And yeah, that didn't account for David Bodie anywhere. And now nobody would account for the next month without David Bodie having some sort of role in this lineup. So Joe knows what he's doing. Let's let it ride. You don't have the record you have right now in the dominance in this division um, without having you know, some success. So, so let's keep it going, Lisa, and let's see. Maybe it can last all the way through November. All right, we finished this one
0: up ninth inning now, and it's the week ahead. The Cubs start a two-game set with the Milwaukee Brewers before moving to Pittsburgh for a four-game series with the Pirates. Two division series uh, matchups for the Cubs, uh, obviously starting with that crucial two-game set at Wrigley with the Brewers. Uh, this this is going to be, obviously, a, a huge series, Chad. And uh, as we get yeah. deeper into the uh, – the end of the summer into the fall and looking an eye towards the playoffs. uh, This Brewers series is obviously going to be crucial to determine if the Cubs can separate themselves from Milwaukee, especially with the Cardinals who are playing very good right now, or are the Brewers going to be able to kind of tighten the gap a little bit more here on the Cubs and, tighten the screws so to speak um and it all starts this week at wrigley but of course you know cubs are playing well at home they're certainly flying high after that win against washington so this is going to be a big series for them against milwaukee and then they got to keep up that pace against the pirates who uh you know obviously they still think they're in this i mean they went out they got chris archer who's one of the top young arms in baseball Um, And, you know, they got some solid young players on that team that, you know, can really step up when needed. So uh, this is, you know, no rest for the Cubbies here. I mean, this is crucial. you got to win your division games. These are the games that really count.
1: Yeah. Th- this upcoming week is big. Now some people are going to listen to this on Tuesday or, th- or Wednesday or Thursday. And so we're talking about this from the perspective of the start of the week. And you've got six games against division foes. So, you know, simply put, this is the biggest week of the season right now, period. Because right now coming into the, this week, three games uh, b- between the Brewers and the Cubs, um, uh, it could change very drastically in the next six games. And so the next two games, the first two games rather against the Brewers, these are going to be big. It's going to, you know, the Cubs have had some great luck against the Brewers. Will that hold on? It potentially will. The Cardinals aren't going anywhere. You know, it's amazing what a new manager will do, or what getting rid of a, uh, rid of a manager that was a bit caustic. will do Um, this, this next six weeks is really, or six, uh, six games is going to be very interesting, but I want to look out ahead for just a second, Ryan. And, Day off on Monday, which David Bode said he was just going to get some rest, spend some time with the family. A day off next Monday. But then, if you look at the schedule, 23 straight games. And during those 23 straight games, there's four against the Reds, who are some reason playing the Cubs very tough. Um, and then you've got uh, where they've got to go from New York to Atlanta to Philly in a three day stretch because of a rainout then they have three games on the road against Milwaukee, then back to Washington for four, and then three more games at home against Milwaukee. So I know I'm going right to the end of the season, but I'm just basically saying this is the last easy week before things get to a grind of 23 straight games. So this these next six games, if you're going to gain any ground, if you're going to put your foot down and go on a big run, you might want to start it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're 100% right uh, because – Listen, uh, these games are not going to get any easier, as you mentioned. I mean, this is the the division stretch run. And all these teams that you're talking about, they're all fighting for position to get to the postseason. Uh, You know, the Braves, the Phillies, the Nats still think they're in it. Um, Obviously, you know, the Cubs still have to play the Cardinals down the line. And the Brewers are not going away. So these are all very important games. You can't let up. There's no... Uh, you know, games here where you're and, and like you said, they're even at the Reds. But to, to your point, for some unknown reason, the Cubs just cannot play well
1: against Cincinnati.
0: So <laughs> just where the Cubs Cincinnati, I mean, I, they look like the Yankees when yeah, they're playing the Cubs for some reason. It yeah. makes no sense, but for whatever reason, they have played very well against the Cubbies this year. So it's uh, it's gonna be big. It's going to be big, and uh, certainly we will break those down uh, as we continue the podcast uh, next week. Can I, can so, I say – I, I,
1: I want you to close this out, but can I just say this? This, yeah. was, this was one of the top two podcasts we did this week. Uh, it was absolutely. <laughs> I would give it a. I would. I would say it was tied for first with our original one. What do you think about that? <laughs> that's that's how. That's how much we list, That's how much we love our, our our listeners. That we basically said we can't even. We can't even put that out to air because nobody is gonna care about half these topics. Because guess what? David Bodie introduced himself to the world. So take it. Take us home, yeah. Ryan.
0: Uh, I absolutely. Well, first I want to thank Josh Friedman for taking the time. Yes. And I need the ticket in Miami for being our seventh inning stretch conductor. Chad, as always. Thank you for taking the time, and it was always great to catch up with you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Let's see how the Cubbies play it out. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on the Friendly Confines.
1: We'll see you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same. When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field. The first time you walk into
0: Wrigley Field. Our were... Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special Extra Innings edition of the Friendly Confines. Alongside Chad Gordon, I am Ryan Lieber here in Detroit, where I just left the Cubs 2-1 to one loss to the Tigers. And boy, another lackluster performance by the Cubs here Ryan, Monday night, chat. Ryan,
1: I love that you. I mean, I love our travel budget. I mean, we're we're you know <laughs> we're, we're, we're just kicking off the podcast, and and we've got a travel budget where you're you're in Detroit with this game. I wish that was true because you're on this quote unquote business trip that just happened to have you in Detroit. So, how at least was it a pleasant night despite the
0: the outcome? Honestly, and I said Monday night. I apologize. Tuesday night, the atmosphere was absolutely beautiful. It was a gorgeous night. It was seventy four degrees outside. Uh, that was my first time at Comerica park. I don't know if yeah. you've ever been there. Personally. I have. Yeah, uh, I have. It is a absolutely breathtaking ballpark. Uh, they really did a nice job there. It's a really, you know, upscale, very nicely laid out, uh, really, really solid ballpark. So it was a great experience. Uh, Tiger fans, you know, they're Midwesterners just like us. Uh, very polite, very easygoing. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a great time. Uh, obviously the results, uh, wish that had been better. But yeah, one of these days.
1: The yeah, one of these days we'll have, a, have to have an inning where we'll talk about uh, all the parks we've been to. My goal is to actually see the Cubs in every park, um, but I, there's but I, I've actually been to all parks um, in Major League Baseball except for four. But that's not seeing the Cubs each time. But I remember I saw a Stanley Cup game where the uh, the Red Wings played in the morning, and then I saw the Tigers play um, in the evening. So that was a fun double dip in Detroit, but, uh, you had the Cubbies today. It was a, a very disappointing game. Hey, the whole reason that we're doing this extra innings is because really big news today. And it was surprising. if, if you were not shocked, if you're a Cubs fan and you weren't shocked by this, then you, I, you have, you have something that I don't have because I never expected the Cubs to go out and get a bona fide Cubs killer in Daniel Murphy. What's your quick take on that here for the leading off the 10th inning?
0: Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I mean, I was traveling and when I turned my phone on and saw that, I absolutely was pretty shocked by that. Yeah. Daniel Murphy, he has been nothing short of a Cubs killer when he was in the 2015 NLCS with the Mets. He's, you know, obviously been just murdering the ball against Cubs pitching all this time and now to be able to get him uh in the lineup even though he's, you know, kind of dealt with some injuries this year. Uh, Daniel Murphy's a solid bat. Now, I think the question that I'm curious about, and I'm sure everybody else is, is where does Daniel Murphy fit yeah. into the lineup, right? Yeah. So what are they going to do with Murphy? Is he going to play second base? They're going to move Javi to short. Does that mean that Addison Russell is basically done for the year? David Bodie's going to play third. Are they hoping for Brian? I think there's a lot of questions right now, Chad that a lot of people are, are wondering about that, that nobody has the answers to at this
1: point. Yeah. One of our listeners, this was a question. I I love to pull this off of the, the friendly confines Cubs uh, Facebook page, but Ben Nelson actually asked that question. What's going to be the move there? You know um, you know, he he's been tearing it up after coming off the DL. I mean, and where is he going to start? What's his his plan? And I got to tell you, I've got a little bit of a sense of an idea. And I thought the, 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 you know the wheels would have gone into motion uh, already tonight, but I don't think I don't think Murphy was was available. But here's my thought, and if I could throw this out as a theory, Addison Russell has been playing through pain. Addison Russell has got a, a hand injury that was re-injured when it got stepped on a couple weeks ago, and I mean he is such a warrior, he's been playing through those issues. What I think could happen is 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 Murphy shows up tomorrow. Um, let let Addy get on the DL DL, the 10-day DL. And now you have the flexibility of putting Javi Baez, who had a spectacular night tonight. He did. He, he looked more like the Javi of 2008, uh 2018. But move him over to shortstop. You know, they've done such a great job with Zobrist of limiting his time. He is 37 years old. He's had MVP-like numbers since the second half has started. But work in a situation where Zobrist and Murphy uh, and Bodie and even Listella, you can kind of interchangeably use those parts and even get uh, Zoper some some reps out in the outfield as well. I think this move makes a ton of sense if we still have a couple more weeks left before – Bryant comes off the DL, you know, he's been hitting uh, in batting practice which has actually been really positive. But I see this move as a way to, to kind of replace what I think is is giving Addison Russell some time away because he is clearly physically in pain. So that's my theory. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean that that makes the most sense and I'm curious to see like you said how much is Murphy going to play is Madden going to kind of rotate him with a host of other players as you mentioned can Murphy play third base can Murphy play shortstop like it just depends i'm only familiar with Murphy playing first base and second base now obviously he's not going to play first so for my money i would think that the move is obviously hobby to short or hobby to third at this point yeah. and 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 Murphy's going to play primarily at second base so you know, listen, he's another bat in the lineup, and the Cubs certainly can use some bats right now, especially with the way they've been hitting. Um, but I like this move. I mean, listen, they didn't I give up it. much for him. They, they gave up, you know, a, a minor league player for his services, and he's in the last year of a three-year contract with Washington. The Nats seem to be uh, waving the white flag at this point, it appears. They are, yeah. So, you know, this is this is great. I mean, I think this is only going to be able to help them Um, because like you said, the injuries to Addy and Bryant, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, I think has taken its toll on this team. Um, yeah, they can
1: use a veteran bad in Murphy to, to help out down the stretch. I I, I mean, we're both, we're both jumping right into the defense and talking about the impact that's going to have on the defense and where he's going to fit. And he, I mean, we're only going to be in an American league ballpark, you know, one more night this week. So it's, it's not about the DH anymore. We're talking about defense, but what matters right now, and we're going to talk about this in a couple innings, but what really matters is offense. And since Murphy came back, um, he's actually been on fire. Over his last 34 games, he's batting 364 with five home runs and 19 RBIs. And so, you know we don't have that production right now. Um, and, and to be able to bring him in interchangeably and ease him into this lineup and give him an opportunity. Uh, he is such a big time player in the postseason. His stats are incredible. Every Cubs fan, looks at Daniel Murphy and and with with detestment and hatred because he has killed us on on so many different levels, but you know this is an opportunity and I see this as a kind of a jim Edmonds sort of situation where the enemy comes on board and now he he's our enemy he's our guy and uh, this is a great great opportunity for the Cubs to actually shore up um, their their offense and and add an infield depth position when somebody like Addy's hurt and probably should be on the DL. Chris Bryant is hurt and has been on an extended stay on the DL. So I see this as, I mean, I am floored right now. And clearly the the, the Epstein team and um, the Rizzo team, in uh, who's the general manager in Washington, they've got great relationships because this was a seemed to be a pretty easy move to make for the Nationals. And you're right. They have unabashedly said we held tight at the deadline because we thought we could make a move, but they realize right now, the white flag is up, and they are moving on.
0: Yeah, and I mean, this is a, you know another topic for another day. It
1: makes me wonder
0: uh, what they're going to do when Bryce Harper becomes a free agent, if they're going to trade Max Scherzer. I, I'm curious, but again, that's uh, for another day to talk about all that stuff. I, I, but to your point, I, I like this move. Obviously, there's nothing not to like about it. I mean, Daniel Murphy was a guy who probably two years ago was in consideration for the most valuable player in the he National was. League. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and to think that you have a guy now who was one of the upper echelon second basemen, was a bona fide all star, uh, now playing second base for you down the stretch. I mean, you're not going to be able to find anything better than that at this point in the season. So, right, like you yeah. said, well done by by uh, by Theo and Jed and uh, the solid relationship that they have with, with Mike Rizzo in Washington. Um, it's, it's so far, I I can't say anything about it. I, the, the Cubs desperately need some hitting and, uh, We'll talk more about that in in the next uh, couple of innings so moving on to the 11th inning uh, it was reported today that Hugh Darvish after he was pulled from his minor league start in just the second inning after throwing a few warm-up pitches uh, is going to be shut down for the rest yeah. of the year uh, this is an extremely disappointing uh, season and story to say the least I mean the Cubs, sign Darvish, obviously after losing Jake Arietta in the offseason, thinking he would be the guy that, you know, could replace the innings that Arietta gave this team and obviously the wins more importantly. Um, that has not happened. And uh I just hope, I really, really hope, Chad, that this is not one of those signings. And I know I'm maybe jumping the gun here when I say this, no. but I just hope that this is not one of those signings that we are going to look back on and say, oh my goodness, this could have been one of the worst albatross contracts that was worth absolutely nothing at the end of this deal um i really hope that he can bounce back but this is not a good sign not a good sign at all and and i talked about this uh you know when we did our podcast the other day about how japanese pitchers unfortunately seem to break down and do not recover um and and i'm really starting to think that this could be the case with you darvish um because we're not seeing any signs of life right now am i am i being too pessimistic right now am i already like falling off a cliff uh, save me here what's what what, yeah. what do i have to look forward to if anything
1: yeah i'm gonna put on the cubby blue cu- colored glasses and and uh and <coughs> say that i'm i'm feeling really positive about this because you know when we recorded uh, the initial uh, a podcast this week, we actually asked the question. I posed the question: Is this a matter of 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 an issue, of a structural issue, or is this a, a situation of heart and and the MRI revealed a stress reaction on his right pitching elbow as as well as a tricep strain. So, I see this as a positive. Um, let's let's let, let's break down the numbers. I mean, let's look at where the Cubs are right now. Right now, the Cubs have the best record in the National League. Right now, the Cubs are trending many games ahead of where they were last year when they won the division and made it to the NLCS. And they did all of these things without you Darvish. And so what that tells me is it's nothing but bonus time when you look at where we could be next year. And so I see this as, okay, we don't have to go after a new pitcher next year. We're going to have a fully rested um, ready to go, you Darvish, that knows what's expected of him and he's going to get himself healthy. So he has the opportunity now to show up in Mesa, Arizona at the end of March, uh, middle of March, rather. Ready to go and ready to um, to to support this team he's not been right from the b- very beginning this year, and you are right there are some issues and we talked about that as well you know six man rotation, one start a week in the japanese league you know it's a different world over here and and there you know he has a lot of uh, of, of strain and stress on his arm so I'm seeing this from a positive standpoint that I know that this is something that's, that's physically wrong. I loved a quote from, uh, from, from Joe Madden that kind of talked me off the ledge earlier today, where he basically said, I never question a guy who tells me he's, he's, he's hurt. And he goes, if he says he's hurt, he's hurt. And so the MRI actually backs that up. It's, it's devastating news if it mattered, right? It, it's devastating news if this is John Lester, right? If this is, if this is uh any of our guys, if this is Kyle, if this is Jose, um, you know, if, if we find out Mike Montgomery while getting married and, you know, training while he's been away on the 10 day DL, he just got married, by the way, congrats, Mike. Um, it'd be devastating lady, moves. Oh, yeah, beautiful. He, he Absolutely. Married up for sure. Yeah, he did very well. <laughs> he he's well. also a major league baseball player. So True. That probably, <laughs> but Nothing anyway, hurt. um, everybody I mentioned it's, it's, that would be devastating. We're losing you Darvish. We never had you Darvish. And so, I see it as okay. Let's move forward. We've got the guys we have. The Cole Hamels uh, signing has been most most incredible signing since Rick Cl- Sutcliffe in 1984, as you mentioned on the earlier podcast. So I'm not as concerned about it because let's give him an opportunity to get healthy, get strong, and he could come out and be our any eating um, staff overpowering staff ace next year. So that's that's my take. It's a very optimistic take. Um, but I'm glad to know there's some something structural, structurally wrong with him. Does it make you at all look
0: back? In hindsight, it's always 2020, but does it make you sit there and say, we should have signed Arietta?
1: Ryan, as I mentioned during the earlier podcast from this week, I said, what I'm not going to mention <laughs> is that if we had Jake Arietta this year, his ERA would be the, the team lead by half a run, which means he'd be our staff ace right now. I'm not going to mention that. Okay. Here's the, here's the thing we all, Jake Arrieta is going to be remembered in Cubs lore. He's the guy that won two world series games. He's the guy that for a period of time for a season and a half was the greatest pitcher that anybody had ever seen. And the great, the greatest pitcher in a Cubs uniform for about an inning and a half. And, and we're never going to be able to recapture that. He didn't stay on the team decided for whatever reason to move forward. And they went with the guy who was, you know, the, 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 the best option on the market based upon the peripherals. Now if this all doesn't pan out and you Darvish becomes just a guy that just limps through the next few years on his, his uh, contract. Well, that's on them. But as I like to point out to all the fans and all our listeners, we're not paying the contract. You know, that's 120 some million dollars that, that we don't have to worry about. Um, they made, they made a choice. And if it doesn't work out, we'll, we'll face that. We'll face that next year. But now at this point, we all know right now, he's not walking through that door. Cole Hamels is our guy. Mike Montgomery's going to come back hopefully. And, and they were talking very favorably about that. And you Darvish, let's focus on a, on a very healthy, strong, you Darvish in 2019. All right, we move on
0: to our final inning of the uh, evening. It is the 12th inning, and we talk about, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, the Cubs' offense has been stagnant. Uh, four runs oh. in their past five, excuse me, five no, runs. Five. No, four, five runs yeah, in their five. past five games. Yeah. Sorry about that. Five runs in their past five games, and they have all been by the hand of a solo home run. Uh, Tuesday night, it was Anthony Rizzo smacking his 19th of the season. But uh, I, I mean, Chad, they've set a record here, but this isn't a record that any no. team would be proud of. Um, but I, yeah. five runs in their last five games in 45
1: innings—just uh, it, awful. It, it's it's incredible. And I remember, I, I we, when, after we recorded on Sunday, I actually said this has to be some sort of, of record, and I, I had our researcher look into it. It was a Major League Baseball record. I mean, more than a century, a century and a quarter, you know, more than that. And it's never been done before where a team had four straight games where they just had a single run. And what's incredible about that, Ryan, let's be honest, they split that series. They still won two of those four games. So that's pretty incredible. But five games where they only score a solo run. That's why the Daniel Murphy um, signing is so incredibly important right now. They need more offense. They need some sparks. They need some people to to, to come up and, and and be the man. And uh, and and if if, if Chris brian's not going to be that guy if Bodie's going to cool off if rizzo's going to have a sub subpar year i don't know where that savings going to come you know the positive thing again the positive look at this is we're still leading the division we're still up on the team we're, we're still the you know have the best record in the national league we're still on pace for 93 wins so that's a positive but right now the fact that they can't generate a run i mean in person that had to have been the most frustrating game how many guys do they leave on base yeah they left 10 guys on base uh Tuesday night, which was like you said,
0: it was frustrating to watch because there were situations that I think they could have easily, um, you know, they they didn't get a guy anywhere past second base the entire night, other than the Rizzo home run. There was not a single guy that was at third base for any point during the game. So that's frustrating. That that's frustrating to watch. That's frustrating to see when you're not generating the kind of offense that we've seen from this team and throughout the course of the season I'm not sure where the bats are going right now. I'm really not. I don't know if it's been because Joe is tinkering with the lineup a little bit. Rizzo was not leading off tonight. It's Elmora, but Rizzo hasn't been leading off in the yeah. last few games. So I, I don't know what to make of this at this point. You, you would not really think that just because somebody's, you know, maybe in a different place in the order that that really is going to jar the lineup that much to yeah. where they can't successfully score any runs, but, I don't know. I mean, something clearly is not right with his offense, and I don't know if it's just they're not being patient at the plate. Um, I mean, they did take a lot of pitches. It's not like they weren't, you know, focused, but I, I'm really not sure what to make of what's going on right now. It's uh, it's definitely been uh, just just absolutely – Like I said, for lack of a better word, it's just it's just frustrating. It's it's completely frustrating. Yeah,
1: let me look further into the numbers. You know, the Cubs haven't lost a series in nearly two weeks. That's positive. As bad as 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 it's felt, they've not lost a series in in nearly two weeks. And they're two and three. Yeah, the good news, absolutely. And the good news is right now is the next three opponents, including the Tigers. You've got the Reds and the Mets. They have a they they are they're winning about forty percent of their games and. And that means they're all on pace for about a 93-loss season. So so they're in a really good spot right now. Only 15 of the Cubs remaining 39 games are against teams are currently over 500. So if they can turn it on, if they can start beating up on some of these these teams coming up, they're in a good spot. I mean, they're not – Uh, it's not hopeless where they have to go take on the world beaters. But as we mentioned earlier, we've mentioned this over and over on the podcast, the other teams seem to really play up for the Cubs. But also, i got to say, there's something going on with the offense. The spark's not there. And for anybody to get frustrated, I get it. I get it. You want to see explosive high-scoring offense. You want to see – and by the way, the Cubs used to have one of the highest run differentials. It's been dropping and dropping and dropping. You take Chris Bryant out of any lineup and you'd expect to you're going to take a, a bit of an issue when it turns to comes to uh, um, run production. Javi Baez has fallen off a little bit. David Bodie is not able to hit a grand slam every time, you know, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of things to look positively to and, and look forward. I see this as kind of a lull and what I look back on, when I look back at all the games that, that the Cubs have played so far, what I've not seen is the streak. I've not seen the run. I've not seen that, oh, my gosh, seven straight, ten straight. You know, that still is possible. And for me, I've always thought about baseball as who is streaking at the right time. Who do you not want to face? And the Cubs have an opportunity to be that team, but they need to turn it around. The challenge facing them, Ryan, is the game you saw tonight is game one of twenty three straight games. So the Murphy thing is going to help them greatly with the, the load and give people an opportunity to have days off and not overwork people. But over these next 23 straight games, you've got to win at a 600 clip. You really do. So we've got to look for the team really to win 15 of the 23 games. Uh, you know, that's where I've got them at 15. Um, so really to, to let, you know, lose eight. So tonight's one of eight, they can lose seven more. They've got to win fifteen. Where do you where do you see them finishing? Up? Oh yeah,
0: I mean, listen. I I think the other part of this equation too that we didn't mention is the starting pitching, really great performances. Kyle Hendricks pitched really well tonight. You know, pitched seven strong he innings. He
1: went deep. He, yeah, he went
0: deep into the game, which is great to see. He gave up those two runs early in the first inning, and then that was it. He shut them down. And then, like the you know the the Tigers were threatening to score. Um, I, I want to say it was around the fifth inning when Zobris caught that line drive. And then oh that double play
1: was beautiful, that double
0: play. I mean, that was a a lifesaver for them, but that's also the the other problem. You know, listen, it'd be one thing if they were losing these games like eight to one, nine to one or whatnot, but they're getting great performances from the rotation right now, which is something that we've also been lacking. And then yet when they're getting these great performances from the starting pitchers, that's when the bats go cold. So it's, it's just, you know, it's maddening. I'm sure, listen, I'm sure it's more maddening for what's going on in the clubhouse for Joe and and the rest of the crew than it is for us to just be watching it. Because uh, obviously, you know, you got to make sure they're synced up, you know, you want to make sure that when you're getting those great starting pitching performances and you're going deep into games like Hendricks is doing, who's been inconsistent this year, that you're able to capitalize and be able to score at least three runs.
1: Uh, let, me, let me, yeah, let me, let me share a couple more thoughts and I'll let you take us home. Sure. So, you know, I, I've been talking about bright spots because there's some frustration here. I mean, when you score five runs uh, in five games on, on five solo home runs, it, there's not a lot to cheer about. Cole Hamels right now leads all qualifying National League pitchers since the second half began with an o seven two ERA. So, are you kidding me on that signing? Nobody expected that. That's a bright spot. Can't wait for his next next start to see what he's going to do. And here's another thing. The Cubs are 10-8 and 8 in August. And right now, that's the third-best record this month in the National League. So that, even though they're batting close to 200, that's not good. And their on-base percentage is around 300. Um, and same thing with the slugging is under 400. Um, they are winning games and they're finding ways to win. And so let's look back, let's revert back to something we were hanging our hat on earlier in the year. These are the comeback Cubs. They have, they, they lead all of Major League Baseball in comeback wins. In fact, it was like, oh, of course they, they gave up a run in the first. They're going to come back because that's what they do. They have found ways to win, they're winning more than half their games right now. And right now you got to win 60% of their games really to, to make it to the promised land at this point, by my estimation. So worry. Yeah. But honestly, can they have a lull? Yeah. Have they went on a run yet this year? No. Is that due? It, it, it absolutely is. So this team could show itself and say, you know what, we were pretenders all along and drop off, or this team could actually step up and finally have a run and prove themselves and, and be the team that's peaking in October
0: always the internal optimist you are Chad that's always uh, that's what I think everybody loves about you all right well we appreciate everybody joining us for this special extra innings edition of the friendly confines join us next week when we uh, bring you more info and insight to the Cubs season and we will have a special guest it should, should we tease the special guest or should we wait till uh we
1: dropped the podcast. So how, how do you want to? No, uh, honestly, it, it's lined up. Let's just let's. I mean, let's just for a second just talk about this. Last week, we had a guy step off the ESPN Sports Center anchor desk. He was anchoring in Bristol, Connecticut, on Sports Center, and he joined our show. How flippin' amazing is that? We've had guys that uh, that are, are, are beat reporters for the Cubs for for decades. We've had guys that are experts in their field. Ryan, why don't you tell? the viewers who are loyal Cubs fans who we have next week or this coming episode. Yeah. Well, if you are a Cub fan and you follow the Cubs closely, you're
0: going to know who our guest is this coming week. He's got about seven different titles. He hosts the pre and post game show on Comcast SportsNet. He is the host of cap and company on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And he also has a new book called the plan. Which I'm sure he will uh, talk a little bit about. It was the blueprint for how the Cubs became the team that they are. It is the one and only David Kaplan. So we are very
1: excited to have Kaplan. Honestly, Ryan, honestly, is there? It, it, name me. I mean, I, and we've got there's some tremendous, tremendous uh, reporters and anchors and, and, and beat beat, uh, beat guys and gals uh, that cover the Cubs. But name me somebody that is that is more um, identifiable with the Cubs than, than David Kaplan. I mean, we're so stoked to have that. And 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 as we shared before, visit our Cubs, if you haven't already, our Cubs Friendly Confines Cubs Facebook page, and let us know who you want to hear from because, you know what, we'll go get them. That's what we want. We want to give you insights from the people that know the Cubs inside and out, not just us. So David Kaplan, can't wait for that episode. I'm
0: keeping my fingers crossed, now that we've put it out there, now I'm really hoping he uh, stays true to saying he's going to come on. So, uh here's the we'll I think get it's gonna happen so we'll get him. uh but listen always great to catch up always great to talk to you and appreciate everybody who tuned in to this special edition of the friendly confines for chad gordon i'm ryan lieber we'll talk to you next time have a good one everybody
1: see you at the ballpark everybody